Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Awakening Show. This is part 22 of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and today's topic is a pretty simple and straightforward one, but it's often overlooked. Today I'll be sharing some ideas about the different sets of practices that can be engaged pre- and post-Kundalini Awakening. Now if we practice the wrong things once Kundalini awakens, things can get very turbulent and challenging. So it's important to understand when to take our foot off the gas, to stop with effortful practices, and to surrender and take a more passive approach to our spiritual journey. Today I've used a simple diagram to help me explain these concepts, which you can find on my YouTube channel or blog. But no worries, I've done my best to make it clear over audio alone. Be sure to visit the other parts of this series for more support on your Kundalini Awakening journey. You can also visit brentspirit.com for more free content, to contact me with any questions, to find out about meeting with me one-on-one, and to make a donation to support this work if you feel called. I appreciate all your ongoing support. Now let's dive into this episode all about the different pre- and post-Kundalini Awakening practices. Enjoy. So what we have here in the diagram, right at the top, we've got a horizontal timeline that's divided into two legs. And on the first leg on the left, we have pre-Kundalini Awakening. In the center, we have a marker which indicates Kundalini Awakening. And then on the right side of that, the right leg, the second half of the journey, we have post-Kundalini Awakening. Then there's an arrow indicating that that part of the journey just continues onwards. So the journey is divided into two legs, pre-Kundalini Awakening and post-Kundalini Awakening. Underneath this timeline, we have two sets of practices. We have the first set, which is active and effortful practices, and they can be practiced up until Kundalini Awakenings. So they can be practiced on the first leg of the journey, the pre-Kundalini Awakening journey. We're going to dive into those practices a little bit more, but those are the active and effortful practices. The second set of practices that I have are the passive and spontaneous practices. Now, those practices can be engaged in throughout the entire journey on both legs, pre-Kundalini Awakening and post-Kundalini Awakening. Okay, so let's jump into looking at some of these active and effortful practices that can be practiced prior to Kundalini Awakening. So... When I say active and effortful, I'm speaking of practices that require a certain willpower, they require a certain discipline, they require that you sit down and decide that you're going to engage in these practices. Oftentimes, they require a certain plan, some certain guidelines, certain instruction. Okay, They don't happen like the other set, spontaneously, naturally, organically. So the list of active and effortful practices that I have, we've got forced pranayama, which is also known as breath work, breath control, different breathing exercises. We have raising energy through visualization meditations. We've got raising energy through chakra concentration meditations. We have what's known as Shaktipat, which is the transmission of spiritual power, spiritual energy, kundalini energy from somebody who has an awakened kundalini to an aspirant, like a guru, teacher, guide, etc. We have the use of plant medicine and psychedelics. We also have forced yoga poses. We also have forced kriyas. Kriyas are the movements that can be practiced and engaged in in order to get energy moving around in the body with certain intentions. Now, 
if we force those to happen, I'm going to refer to those as forced kriyas. They can also happen spontaneously as well once the kundalini awakens. So when we look at something like forced pranayama, forced breath work, pranayama is very, very, uh, very, very powerful. There are many benefits, not just to do with kundalini, not just to do with things like meditation, but also for health benefits and things like that. But the problem with pranayama is that many people teach it speak about it, but they don't understand the ins and outs of it. And so when somebody begins to practice it after learning from somebody who's just sharing it half haphazardly, they can find themselves inadvertently experiencing a lot of energetic instability within their body. They can also find themselves inadvertently awakening the Kundalini. Okay. So through these practices, these things can happen. It's not very common, but it's common enough and it leads people to very difficult experiences. So it's very important that we speak about it and we're aware of it. You might go to a yoga class in a yoga studio and somebody, the teacher there might say, okay, everybody, we're going to do this pranayama practice. We're going to breathe five inhales through the left nostril or something like that. We're going to hold the breath. We're going to breathe really rapidly for 30 seconds at a time. And you may genuinely experience some energetic phenomena occurring within your system. And if this is the first time you've sort of experienced this sort of thing, it will be very new. It will be very exciting. It will be very novel. And you may think this is awesome. This is really cool. Something is happening. But the implications may not be very clear to you. Okay. And so that's why it's important that we engage in things like pranayama, breath work with mindfulness. Uh, we learn from teachers who actually know what they're talking about. And we don't end up experiencing a lot of energetic instability as a result. But these are practices that, yes, it is true. You can engage in pranayama practices to bring you to the point of kundalini awakening. Okay, you can raise kundalini with pranayama and effort. You can also raise kundalini by engaging in visualization meditations, right? So you can imagine energy rising up. You can imagine your spinal column lighting up. You can imagine these things in visualization. This is going to require effort. It's going to require uh, your, your will. It's going to require dedication, etc. You can also similarly engage in chakra concentration meditation so you can roll your eyes back focusing up on your third eye you can draw a lot of prana there and this can also stimulate kundalini cause it to rise and things like that you can engage in shakti pots so you can actively seek out people that offer shakti pots and you know get it from them you can actively engage in taking plant medicine psychedelics uh either just for recreational use, for spiritual growth, or sometimes people use it because they want to you know, awaken Kundalini. Uh, you can engage in forced yoga poses. So these yoga poses, when I say forced, I mean following a sequence that's predetermined. You're going you're gonna to engage in those. You're going to hold them for a certain length of time, certain amount of breaths, etc. And you can also engage in forced Kriyas. So moving your body in certain ways to move the energy uh, around. Now these are practices that can be practiced prior to kundalini awakening and in some cases yes they can lead to a kundalini awakening personally as a teacher i do not advise anybody engage in these practices with the intention of awakening kundalini unless they're working with a very astute teacher that is available to support you 24 7 at all times otherwise things can get very difficult you'll be all alone you won't know what's going on you won't know how to manage it and the teacher may not be accessible so Keep that in mind. Throughout this series, I have not spoken about these practices uh, because the other set of practices I feel are much more smooth, efficient, safe, 
and even effective, which I'll get to in a second. But just to make that clear, these active effortful practices, you know, forest pranayama, you know, engaging in, in these visualizations to draw energy up, they can be applied prior to Kundalini awakening. If you feel called, if you have practiced them in the past and you're wondering, you know, did I make a mistake, etc., it's okay. This can be done. Not advisable, but yes, it is a thing. Many people engage in them. There are some teachers that can support you, not me, but there are people who can. Okay. Then we have the other set of practices, which which I call here the spontaneous or passive practices. So when I speak of spontaneous, when I speak of passive, I mean practices that don't require incredible effort, will, a plan, discipline, etc. They happen organically, naturally, in the same way that your body went through puberty. It was a spontaneous, it was a passive process that you most likely carried out very well. Okay, so your body knows how to engage in these things. So yes, spontaneous pranayama and breathwork can happen. Your body knows how to breathe itself in order to get the benefits of pranayama, in order to move energy around in ways that it needs to. It can uh, uh, engage in spontaneous pranayama to take the kundalini to where it needs to go and things like that. Okay, same with yoga poses. Spontaneous yoga poses can arise if you just surrender to the kundalini. It will begin to move your body in certain ways that it needs to in order to uh, carry the process out, okay? So these things can happen spontaneously, even before your kundalini awakens, if you begin to have a sort of kundalini activation, these things can happen spontaneously. You can engage in them, you can just surrender and let these things unfold, okay? Spontaneous kriyas as well, you may start you know, moving your body in certain ways. It may not necessarily look like a yoga pose, but it will be a spontaneous movement, a spontaneous jerk, maybe spontaneous spasms, uh, spontaneous vocalizations, spontaneous uh, mudras with the hands, things like that, okay? Another passive uh, sort of spontaneous practice you can engage in, uh, unconditional loving awareness meditations. So just resting in awareness, not engaging in anything active, you know, nothing like visualizations, nothing with intense concentration, just engaging in a sort of passive awareness meditation where you become a container, you become an observer of the phenomena within your body, the emotions, the feelings, the thoughts, etc. You can also engage in self-love, just being with yourself, being fully present, allowing yourself to have the experience that you're having. You can engage in mindfulness, just once again, being sort of a witness, being an observer of what's happening, but nothing super active, nothing super effortful. As well, very, very powerful bhakti devotional practices. So chanting, prayer, these types of things where we just allow the emotional aspect of our spirituality to come to the forefront, to really just consume us. And of course, we also have surrender here, just surrendering to something greater than ourselves. Call it God call it kundalini, call it the universe, call it whatever you would like. So the spontaneous and passive practices, if you see on my diagram here, they can be practiced throughout the entire journey. Whereas the active and effortful practices, there's a hard line stopping them from being practiced in the, in the second leg of the journey. Spontaneous practices can be practiced throughout the journey at all times they can discontinue there's no harm that can be done here because it's happening spontaneously your ego isn't going to force things to happen unnecessarily prematurely at too fast of a pace if it's happening spontaneously organically naturally it's all going to happen on its own right think of puberty the same way that your body just spontaneously unfolded that at the perfect pace the same thing can happen for your spiritual journey and so these are the practices that i recommend that you engage in whether your kundalini is awakened or not right? We just become open to things happening spontaneously like pranayama and this sort of thing. It doesn't always happen, especially not prior to Kundalini awakening, but it can. If like, if, like I said, you're experiencing some activation, 
Um, but unconditional loving awareness, meditation, self-love, mindfulness, bhakti, devotional practices, chanting, prayer, etc., surrender. These are all very safe, healthy practices that may seem as if they will be a little slower than some of the more active and effortful practices like, you know, imagining the energy rising up your spine or engaging in a sort of effortful pranayama practice or going to visit a guru to get shaktipat or taking plant medicine, etc. But long term, these are much more sustainable, much more healthy, much more safe. And they're the ones that I recommend. Now, what happens to most people, not most people, but some people is they engage in some sort of practice. It either might be active, effortful practices, maybe spontaneous practices, but they experience a kundalini awakening. And then what happens is they think, oh, okay, my kundalini is awakened. They go on Google and they say, okay, kundalini meditations, what should I do? Third eye meditations, what should I do? And they find all of these different practices on YouTube, whatever. And they begin to engage in things like pranayama breathwork practices, forcing things to happen after the kundalini has already been awakened. Now, this is very difficult. This can lead to very difficult situations because once the kundalini awakens, once we reach the second leg of the journey, the intelligence of the body, the intelligence of the universe of God, infinite intelligence, it's awakened in you and it's carrying out this process. It knows what it needs to do at the perfect pace. It no longer needs you to come in with the ego and try to like make things happen on your own pace, on your own agenda. It doesn't need you to start forcing pranayama to happen. It's awakened. It's going to do those things spontaneously if it's necessary. But what happens is people think, like I said, I've had a kundalini awakening. That means I need to start doing things. I need to start engaging in practices to support this process or to make it make it make some of the symptoms go away or the signs of this transformation to go away. I need to engage in something to facilitate this. No, we don't need to engage in anything except the second uh, set of practices, the passive and spontaneous practices. You need to engage in surrender. You need to engage in uh, devotion to something greater than yourself. Call it God, the universe, nature, whatever it is. You need to engage in self-love. You need to engage in just unconditional awareness meditations, just abiding as awareness of whatever is arising within your system. If pranayama happens spontaneously, if you spontaneously have kriyas, yoga poses, that's welcome. But you don't need to force any of that to happen. Because now you're in the second leg of the journey where the intelligence of the body knows what it needs to do. It does not need your, your effort or your ego to come in and try to you know, micromanage the process. This is very important for people to understand because what happens if you have awakened your kundalini? The energy is moving through your system. It's, it's doing its work. It's transforming the entire system. And you come in and start engaging in pranayama practice that you heard at a kundalini yoga class taught by somebody who had you know, 200 hours of training. Now you're meddling in the process. You're interfering. You're forcing things to happen unnecessarily. It's like if somebody is doing some work and you're just like coming in and like doing your own thing, it doesn't make sense. The, ener the energy of Kundalini, of God, of Shakti is doing what it needs to do. It doesn't need your ego to come in and now start engaging in like these pranayama things or, or like forcing different kriyas you don't need to force anything once the kundalini is awakened that's the point of it awakened it is awake now maybe you awakened it through some of these active and effortful practices sure but now it's awake so you can just take a take the passenger seat become the co-pilot support it with your general maintenance practices like taking care of your body going for walks eating the right foods avoiding taking in like violent you know media things like that 
engage in the very simple, straightforward practices, self-love, mindfulness, bhakti, surrender, right? Um, I'm getting fired up here, if you can tell, because so many people say, you know, hey, I had this awakening experience, Brent. So I looked up on YouTube. I felt some pressure in my third eye. So I thought, okay, I need to help this kundalini to, you know, work on my third eye. So I started to engage in this third eye meditation practice. And now I can't sleep. It's been three, four days and I haven't slept. Well, yeah, it's been three, four days and you haven't slept because you pushed too hard. The kundalini was doing its work at the right pace and you came in and tried to speed things up. And now the energy has been destabilized. You're all, you know, all over the place and we need to find energetic balance. Now, don't be afraid. You know, most of these things you can always correct over time with humility, with, with the willingness to do that. Um, it's not like you can permanently, you know, hurt yourself, but you can give yourself a very difficult period in your life as a result of engaging in the wrong practices at the wrong times. So be mindful of this. Once the energy is awakened, you can relax a little bit. Just relax in the process. Let go. Think back to puberty. If you had a child, if you had a, if you're a mother and had a child, think back to when you were pregnant. You didn't go in and start thinking, okay, how am I going to develop my baby's heart? How am I going to develop my baby's brain? No, you just trusted the, the natural intuition, the natural intelligence of the body to go through the pregnancy. In the same way, this can happen for you as well. You don't need to come in with effort and, and forcing things to happen once it's awakened. Okay. Now, with all of this said, this is why I really emphasize engaging in the passive and spontaneous practices, regardless of where you might be on your journey. You may not know where you are in your journey. Kundalini awakening doesn't always come with a very, uh, uh, you know, fireworks or a very clear, obvious sign. Sometimes it happens very gradual, very subtle in the background almost, and you may not know. So that's why it's important to discern where you are on your journey. If you cannot discern it, it's not a problem. No, no worries at all. Just engage in the passive, the spontaneous practices. So no matter where you are on your journey, these never go out of style. They never get old. They never become obsolete. They never become ineffective. Okay. Bhakti, surrender, mindfulness, self-love, unconditional awareness, the willingness to go into spontaneous phenomena like Kriya's breathwork, etc. All of that is always welcome, no matter where you are on the journey. So this is where your attention should really lie. If you happen to be interested in active, effortable practices, Go ahead, but I really advise that you find somebody who really knows what they're talking about to support you and guide you. If you're one of the people who are willing, who are more interested in traveling this journey, trusting within yourself, then you must, must just engage in the passive spontaneous practices. Okay. These never go out of style. I'm reminded of Neem Karoli Baba, Ram Das's guru. This guy was enlightened, like fully enlightened master, avatar, right? Still, he was engaging in, in bhakti practices. I think there's a story of Ram Das or somebody went and looked at his notebook and it was just pages and pages and pages of just the name Ram, the name of God, Ram. And he's a fully enlightened master. You know, you might think, why does he need to engage in these practices? He's enlightened. Kundalini has been awakened. He's self-realized. Well, those practices, they, they never go out of style. The benefits never end. That's why I put two arrows here, right? We've got the arrow showing that this set of practice, it just continues. The post-Kundalini awakening leg of the journey, it just continues onwards, right? You don't really hear of, say, a guy like Neem Karoli Baba, Maharaji, Ram Das's guru. You don't 
really hear about him engaging in pranayama. You don't, there's, I don't think there's any stories of him, you know, sitting and doing crazy breath work, right? It's nothing. It was, it, the process was done. Kundalini was awakened in him, right? He was able to just surrender to the process. And what did he do? Even though, you know, great master people coming from all around the world to see this guy. And still he's engaging in, in bhakti. Still he's engaging in devotional practices, right? So he's never go out of style. Always, always available to you. And they are as powerful no matter where you are on the journey. Before Kundalini Awakening, after Kundalini Awakens, if you don't know where you are, these practices are so powerful, so powerful. So I invite you to really put your emphasis on the passive and spontaneous practices. If you happen to be engaging in effortful practices and you look back and you realize, oh, shoot, my Kundalini has been awakened and I've been forcing things to happen unnecessarily, just let it go. Just stop. No problem. The energy will, once again, just stabilize over time, but you need to stop interfering. And the same here goes for plant medicine and psychedelics, right? Sometimes when you say plant medicine and psychedelics, people think I'm talking about acid, mushrooms, DMT. I'm also talking about cannabis. I'm also talking about weed. And if you're listening, you might know, you know that I'm speaking to you. Be mindful. If Kundalini is awakened within you, you don't need to be engaging in, in plant medicine. You don't need to be smoking weed, right? Thinking that it's going to support your process in some way. There may be benefits. There may be. But there are always, always a price when we engage in, in just drugs, quite frankly. There's always a price. So be honest with yourself. Are you pushing active and effortful practices past their due date? If so, no problem, no shame. Just bring some consciousness to the situation. And bring your bring your effort. Sorry, let go of your effort, and just engage in the passive, spontaneous practices. So that's a little bit about these pre and post Kundalini awakening practices. I really appreciate your attention today. I hope this has been insightful for you. I hope that this can help to clear up some of the confusion around when to practice what. If you have any questions about this, please leave me a comment, send me an email. I'll be happy to clarify. Let me know if this was clear, if this was meaningful for you. Leave me a comment as well. You can, uh, like I said, check out the other parts of this series where I go in a little bit more detail about some of these ideas of surrender, of respecting the Kundalini process. You can also share this stuff with a friend if you feel like they might benefit from it. I really appreciate that as well. If you like, you can make a donation to support this work. You can also find out about meeting with me one-on-one -on -one at brentspirit.com as well if you like you can find me on instagram you can also send me a dm there and i will get back to you with uh, a response to any of your questions thanks so much and until next time enjoy the journey much love and peace mm -hmm.